When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at DCAUreview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 70 of the DCAU Review. I'm one of your hosts, Cal, and with me is our other host, the DCAU Review Twitter guru, my good brother, and the guy who's been with me for every episode thus far, it's Liam. Liam! We have an exciting, very special episode today at DCAU. We sure do, and this is a special one for our 70th episode. We want to do something cool. Uh, it's been a while since we've reviewed a movie, so this week we are in fact covering Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. So we're doing one extra week of Batman Beyond coverage uh, before we move on to our, our Static Shock episodes for the rest of the month. But Hey, it's our show. We can decide right. what we do. So. We might change it up even more next year. You don't know. We don't even. We it's don't our even show. That's right. We make the rules. Yeah, we haven't even talked about it yet. You don't dictate this. I'm we just do. saying stuff. <laughs> we just. <laughs> it, yeah, this is true. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Liam, so yes, as you said, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which is in continuity and a huge linchpin to the DCAU because of the ripple effects that it creates, the timeline that it <laughs> sort of creates. And some of the gaps that it fills in between the end of the new Batman Adventures, the Justice League era, depending on who you talk to, and then bridges that gap into Terry McGinnis as Batman in the Batman Beyond world uh, for for a time at least, or for, for a portion of that time is filled in. So it is a very, very interesting movie. At the time, it was... Uh, I don't think it was appreciated in its time. It's one of those movies that was sort of a cult classic. Yeah. Definitely didn't have the video sales. I I know there's been some information recently discussed about that and whether or not there was going to be a follow-up and all this, but it it really didn't didn't make the impact that DC had hoped. And this is prior to the launching of the DC Warner animation department and doing these movies full-time. They were still focusing on a lot of of television animation here. But uh, we have the first foray, basically, in DC animation into the PG-13 era. Yeah. And uh, I know they originally released two versions of this. They released a PG version, and then they released the PG uncut ver- or PG thirteen uncut version. Yes, which is the version that we watched tonight. Full disclosure. Yeah, the- I think that's the only one that gets released now. I think like when they when they re released it in the last couple of years. And it makes sense because yeah. wh- why not? It's and even looking at, at the other PG thirteen offerings that DC has done recently since they've launched the Warner Animation division. It's very, very mild compared yeah. to a lot of that. Yeah, stuff. it's basically there's a couple of uh, you know there's a couple of, like a, a stabbing, and we'll we'll get into some of this more in, in detail and visuals. But yeah, there, there's definitely some stuff that's a little more brutal than what you would see on your average Saturday morning. It's episode. mostly violence, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely it's almost yeah I would say almost entirely is is violence related. So. Yeah, uh, but you're right. It is. It is still kind of a little bit of history there, with uh, for all the reasons we've mentioned, and because of the uh, the PG-13 rating. So, and this came out. We decided in '99 ish or 2000, I believe. Yeah, I uh, actually just looked it up right before we started. It's uh, it was, came out in the year 2000. Okay, so I would have been 12 at the time, and you would have been eight ish. Uh, yeah, seven, seven or eight ish at the time. So. I remember some of the, and we'll get into plot in a second here, but just we like to share our own personal memories sometimes of, yeah. the, of the things that we watch. But I remember watching this, and you know, it's not like I was super young, but this is, there's some stuff in this movie that is super disturbing. Yes. The <laughs> whole torture of Tim Drake, and really, we, we hadn't seen a Joker this diabolically evil 
Like yeah. he's he's more of in the Batman animated series and certainly Batman Superman Adventures or the new Batman Adventures, whatever you want to call it. He was a goofy clown. He wasn't this maniacal yeah. psychopath. Yeah, other than maybe something like Mad Love or something, you really don't ever see him be that just vicious and brutal. And this is also a different type there, whereas in something like Mad Love where he's kind of just like an angry, like he's just kind of furious. This yeah. is him sort of at the peak of his just like sinister, manipulative, uh, you know, horrifying the way his mind works and that he would think to do this to to Robin. But uh, as before we get into plot here, I will, uh, as I do every week, I will read the official IMDb synopsis. In your best for this announcer movie. voice, please. Of course. And this is the synopsis for Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which was written by Glenn Murakami, Bruce Timm, and Paul Dini, and directed by Kurt Gaeta. And the synopsis reads as such. The Joker is back with a vengeance, and Gotham's newest Dark Knight needs answers as he stands alone to face Gotham's most infamous clown prince of crime. I may have said climb there, but I'm just going to keep growing with it. Alright. That's it? That's the whole synopsis? Yeah, that was it. Alright. Well... So, we don't really need to recap this, because if you're listening to this, you probably have seen it, but we'll do, like, a a bird's-eye view of it. Uh, We get, immediately, we get introduced to a new set of Jokers. We covered a Jokers episode a couple weeks ago. This is a new set of Jokers. That's actually something I wish, maybe it's a nitpick, but I wish we had seen, like, this Jokers crew come in and kill the TV Jokers, or, like, run them out of town, at least. That would have been good. Like, some sort of interaction between the Bruce Timm-voiced J-Man, I think is what they call him, Mm -hmm. and the actual Joker, I think, would have been really entertaining, and we we don't get that. Yeah, that would have been been somewhat rewarding. But yeah, so these these Jokers just show up, Terry uh, soon finds out that they are actually working for what is revealed to be the Joker. Yeah. He doesn't find that out until a couple scenes later when the Joker shows up at a scene. You have this underlying sort of red herring storyline where Bruce is taking over, back over Wayne Enterprises. Uh, Wayne Powers apparently is dissolved at this point. I don't know if, uh, I guess, Blight's emergence uh, led to the... The dissolved partnership between Wayne Powers. I don't remember them mentioning that in the. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, we, when we do the main show, obviously we go in order. So maybe, maybe they talk about it in one of the other episodes that Paxton Powers is in. But I don't remember them talking about it. Ever. So it's just Wayne Enterprises now. Bruce is taking back control over it, and there is this seedy character who just happens to be voiced <laughs> by the same guy that did uh, Ferris Boyle's voice yes. and also... Little known voice actor. Yeah, little known voice actor. This guy, uh, Mark Hamill, I think his name is. Hmm. Yeah, and he just happens to visually look like the Joker, pointy nose, slick yes. back hair. Uh, it, it's a, it's clearly a red herring, and I think the commentary states it as much as they did, they wanted to have a red herring in there for you to try and pick out from the start. Oh well, this guy who is the he was the CEO, and Bruce is taking control over, so he's going to be pushed out of his dream job and losing power of the over the one of the biggest companies in Gotham City. Yeah. So he has a, a motive to then destroy Bruce. Well, of course, that turns out that it is indeed not him. Yeah, they turn out to have some sort of a like he was a like like he left basically left the front door open for the Joker's to steal some uh, steal some stuff that we see we see them in the middle of a robbery that Batman breaks up at the beginning of the movie, and so it turns out he was sort of in league with them, but it wasn't obviously he was not the actual Joker, right? And come to find out through the flashback and everything that Tim Drake was horribly, terribly uh, experimented on and turned into a miniature Joker, uh, which you know, cost him not only his, you know, his his life almost cost him his life, but also it cost him his sanity. He can't, he couldn't even speak. He could only laugh. Um, it's just a horrifying sequence. Um, it's, it's terrifying. Especially the uh, when Joker plays the home movie of him, like, turning, like, flipping the switch and watching Robin get electrocuted and stuff like that. It's real. 
It's it, real tough to watch, honestly. Yeah, and the voiceover, he's do, giving a voiceover narration of what's going on and what happened and how he broke him down. And then, I mean, it is punctuated by some, some classic Joker lines when he reveals that he has he was able to pry Bruce's secret identity out of... Yeah out of Robin, but to him, he I love, he compares it to a kid who sneaks a peek at his Christmas presents before Christmas. Yeah. He says it's just, it's, it was so, and we'll talk about it in, in Mark Hamill's performance, I'm sure, in voice sure. acting, but that line delivered is so good, and it, it just punctuates, it gives that undercurrent of, it's, an, this is a, this is the same Joker that we've known throughout the Batman the Animated Series, but turned up to 11, I guess, if you will. And and just the... I don't know. He had his breaking point. He talks about even how he and Batman had done this dance for so many years and he was just sick of it. Like, he just... They mentioned that neither of them are getting any younger right. uh, as well. So it's... Yeah, I, I think as far as what the creators have said, and I'm sure what our, our, our friends at the Watchtower database could probably explain this to you better, but... Um, this flashback to the, you know, to all this stuff with with Robin and Batgirl and Batman and and the Joker and Harley is supposed to be set, according to the creators, after basically everything else pre-Batman Beyond that we've seen. Right. So it's supposed to, so it's after Justice League, after Justice League Unlimited, but it, so it's like the last thing that happens after after Batman and Harley Quinn, right? After Justice League versus the Fatal Five, okay. Um, after all of that, okay. Um, so this is uh, allegedly supposed to be like the last thing that we see happen, at least to date. Uh, you know, knock on wood, maybe we'll get something else in between one day. But uh, so it's set far enough in the future that I guess it's. It's removed from, like, the direct... Like, this doesn't happen right after the new Batman adventure starts or anything. But it's still... You know, Robin still looks like a kid. And so all of this happening... And, as you said, like, Joker gleefully talking about what he's done to break... To physically and mentally break this... Let's say even if he's 18. He's still a kid, you know? Yeah. It's real sinister, and again, we're, we're maybe getting a little more he's into voice acting. He's got him dressed up in the, like, pantaloons and stuff. Yeah, it's little boy shorts. Creeps. It's creepy as hell. Uh, yeah. Of course, the end reveal is that Joker has implanted this chip into Tim Drake's neck. Tim Drake, he's been transforming back and forth between Tim Drake and the Joker, comes out of sort of left field. I mean, Terry starts to... It's a good showcase of Terry's detective work. Yes. You get Detective Terry, and I know you're you're a big fan of the detective side of Batman. Correct. That's why you love the Tim Drake character in Absolutely. the comics. So I know you appreciated that for, for this. Tim, I mean, Terry gets to exhibit some of that detective bat side of Batman in yes. this, which is good. Uh, I really, 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 really strong. And, of course... We ter- finds out that Joker has been using Tim's knowledge of communications equipment to create a satellite hijacking tool to use a tool that's very similar to the one that you pointed out that is linked uh, to the bottom of the Justice League watchtower, this yeah. Skybeam type thing. Yeah, it's another one of those kind of retroactive continuity thing. I guess once, once like the you know governments got wind of the fact that Justice League had a cannon on their satellite. Right. Like, well, we gotta get one for us, too. We gotta so. get cannons, too. Space cannons. Yeah. Yeah, so he uses a very similar weapon, they, he, and he's just gonna wreak havoc and destroy different parts of Gotham yes. to let them know that the Joker is back, is basically what right. he says. He's gonna make a giant smiley face crater. Of course. It's starting with... Uh, Wayne Manor. Ter- yeah, Wayne Manor. Terry's mom and brother, and Dana, who was in the hospital after being attacked by the Jokers earlier in the movie. So it has that underlying cur- current of this man is just insane. He's just going to make a giant smiley mm-hmm. face crater, but with a maniacal edge. So it's it's really good. The reveal, if you if you had never seen this before, I don't know why you're listening to this <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Definitely go back and watch it. But that reveal, the reveal that it's really Tim Drake... Uh, is it's just tremendous, Liam. This is one of the top Batman movies of all time. I think I definitely agree. it's neck neck and neck. I think with Phantasm, Phantasm is really good, and for what it was at the time, and it's a pivotal piece because of the time frame that it was released and all yes. of that. And it's and. 
Phantasm is a masterpiece. Uh, this is, I think, on a similar level to that. Uh, I gave Plot a perfect 10 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I also gave Plot a perfect 10 out of 10. It's it's so, so good because of the way it it harkens back to that to the original series. Because we... Because I think that's a question everyone had. We knew that Batman and Batgirl were an item and broke up and it didn't go well and that Barbara was now the commissioner. We had heard passing references to Dick Grayson leaving to go uh, establish himself in another city. But I don't know that Tim Drake was ever mentioned by name in the series he at was. all. I he don't was. think he was. Nope. So the- Robin is mentioned because, yes. because Terry mentions he says something about Max being Robin or something That's like right. that, I think, at one point. Yeah, and yeah, there's a, there's a quip in one of the episodes, I think, we, I think it was Lost Soul, that we just reviewed last week, where uh, Bruce is like, well, none of the Robins ever complained about opening the door the old-fashioned way right. or something. But yeah, right. so Robin had been referenced, but we had never ever uh hurt we hadn't hurt we don't we nobody knew what happened to tim drake so getting these pieces of the puzzle uh and and helping to better establish that timeline and just where all these characters end up and to better also to better explain uh why bruce is where he is when we meet him in rebirth part one Mm -hmm. because when we meet him he's an old man alone in his home and nobody except his dog likes him yep and part of that, and they go into detail in some of the dialogue from Barbara, is that, you know, Tim, even tro- even after all this crazy stuff happened, Tim tried to patch up the relationship, but Bruce was just so racked with guilt and, uh, you know, didn't want to endanger another young partner. That's why in this movie he asked Terry to give the bat suit back at one point because he feels that he's, he's just so afraid of that, that it could happen again when he sees that the Joker is back and... Uh, it's it's so well done. Um, I just saw on Twitter the other day uh, Scott Snyder is one of the as far as modern times go. I think it's it's not, almost not debatable. He's one of the greatest Batman writers of the modern era. He's really good. Yeah, and uh, he mentioned that he thought that Return of the Joker is a top ten Batman story of all time. I mean, um, and that's quite the endorsement. It's quite the endorsement coming from yeah a guy who's done a lot of great Batman stories. Absolutely, <laughs> no question about it. But. Uh, yeah, I just saw that on Twitter the other day. I thought it was really cool. But yeah, the impact that this this story in and of itself and Batman Beyond as a whole had on on people who are even now still writing com- uh, still writing comics is pretty cool. Absolutely. All right, William, let's move on to animation and visuals. So we commented as we were watching this, this is the first foray into the digital animation era. So we have typically been watching... I mean, we've we've already watch Justice League and just yeah. uh, uh, Justice League is completely digital animation. We talked a little bit about that well, in our first initial Justice League episode, which you can check out at dcaureview.com or on your favorite streaming service if you haven't listened to it before. I think that was episode 30. Okay, there we go. 40 episodes ago. Crazy to think Jeez. about. Jeez Louise. We're doing a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, but this is, this is technically the first show that they ever did, or first... Uh, digital animation presentation that they did in the DCAU. So we have a new style. It's different than the hand-drawn animation with the painted backgrounds that yeah. we were used to. This is digital backgrounds, digital animation. Some digitally painted backgrounds that were pretty static, but a lot of the backgrounds seem to be you know, similar digital animation style to the yeah. actual action that's happening. Um, so... I think there are a lot of good things about this. There are a lot of good visuals. There's a little bit of character model uh, wonkiness, I would say. Characters don't look exactly on model, especially we've been watching a lot of the Batman Beyond series recently. Characters look a little bit off model, and I know some of that is because of the the difference between the hand-drawn animation and the digital animation is a little bit different. It's a little more streamlined. It's a little less detailed. But that stands out in a couple different scenes. Terry, anytime he has his mask off, to me, there's this weird thing they did with his upper lip, where his upper lip is defined, but yeah. his bottom lip isn't. And I know they did that some in the show, but this I feel like in nearly every scene. I think it's also because there's a lot, a lot more sh- like shadow, or like maybe naturally the the color palette was just darker before they had the digital colors. Yeah, it is brighter. 
Yeah, so I think that might also be part of it. It's just everything. It's kind of like you just turned a light on, on you know, shined a spotlight on on everything, so everything's just a little bit brighter. And we talked about that, I think, on that episode of of Justice League with Secret Invasion, with where it everything does look brighter. And some of that was because that's a show in the daylight. But yeah. this episode, there's a lot of. Good visuals, the scenes where they're in the nightclub with Terry, the world's worst boyfriend, <laughs> just continues his undefeated streak of being the absolute worst. Falls asleep on her the first time at the nightclub. Second time, the DDs show up and start flirting with him, and he's so distracted by them that he doesn't notice Dana getting grabbed by a ghoul. He sort of pushes them away, but in a but way... like, a long time. He took it, a long time. It's like Willy Wonka in Charlie the Chocolate Factory. He's like, no, wait, stop, come back. Like, when the kid's about to fall on the chocolate fountain. Um, so he's not really all that concerned about what's happening to Dana, right. as you said, as, as all of a sudden she's kidnapped by ghoul. So... Yeah, the, anyway, some cool visuals there. Uh, I think one of the scenes that stood out for me is the reintroduction of the Joker in that very first scene. They do this where he's sitting in the shadows, and you obviously know it's the Joker, but they don't do the full face reveal. And this is the debut, or the debut of the new, new <laughs> Batman animated series or new Batman adventures or whatever you want to say redesign of yes. the Joker so he doesn't have the spy versus spy eyes right the black he has lips again he has lips he's his eyes are wide and he has the red pupils instead of having the black eye sockets yeah. with the white pupils he has like the diamond shaped eyes too again mm-hmm. like which is more of a throwback to the original Batman than even the, yeah even the new Batman adventures so it's yeah, it's kind of an amalgam of those looks. He's still in the suit that he wore in the new Batman Adventures, but it's yeah. We and we, I think we talked about that back when we reviewed uh, Injustice for All uh, quite a few episodes ago. But um, yeah, it's 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 a striking look, but it's it's just so much better than the new Batman Adventures look. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, his face is his face is rounder, less less triangle shaped, and more yeah. humanoid shaped. I would say. Uh, it's it's good. It's a good overall redesign. With that said, they were definitely finding their footing. I think the Jokers look cool. There's some cool designs with yeah. the Jokers. Uh, Wolf, as he's known, who's the splicer. Yes. Spliced Joker, which is cool. We get a splicer reference in this movie. So a, a spliced Joker who's half hyena, half human, I guess. And yes. uh, He looks cool. We have Chucko, who is a just a dude in a mask wearing a pink jumpsuit. Yeah, although apparently this was a like a an inside gag. Apparently this was a reference. Chucko is supposed to look like a uh, original Batman the Animated Series producer Eric Radomski's. Uh, apparently he wore like a clown costume at a Halloween party one year or something. But apparently apparently that's what Chucko's design was based on. There you go. Little little inside information there. Then you have Ghoul, who sort of looks like a scare. He he looks like a scarecrow, not yes. the scarecrow, but a scarecrow. He's carrying around a uh, pumpkin pumpkin bat bucket, I guess. <laughs> and then you have the Deedees, who are sort of look like Raggedy Ann dolls or something yeah. like that. If they were, I don't know, hookers, I guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you have you have some cool looks with that, and then. You get some flashback to the new Batman Adventures, which we haven't done any new Batman Adventures yet, so we can... Right. Other than World's Finest, yeah. Correct. So I guess we can kind of talk a little bit about those costumes if you sure. want to. Uh, but we have the the black back... We haven't even gotten to episodes in Batman the Animated Series with Batgirl yet, but we have the dark dark blue or black and, and gold Batgirl suit. We have the classic red and black, no green, Robin Correct. suit. Which and they later adopted into the series as, as Tim Drake's uh, costume. There so. you go, which became in continuity. Yeah. And then you have the Batman, n- new Batman Adventures costume that we did see in World's Finest with, of course, the bat with no symbol around it. But, you know, uh, I think visually it's good. There are some things that I I, I think they were still finding their footing with. Yeah. What I mean, it, I think when you said character model, that was the thing that stuck out to me. Yeah. Especially in the in the first act, and when Terry fights the Joker's at the beginning, um, and the flashback, it's 
And some of that also, I think, is the literal animation. I think TMS did this movie. Okay. And and they did tons of episodes of all the different series, so they're professionals. But I just thought, like, especially it's like some some of like some Batgirl and Batman's faces in the flashbacks are a little weird. Harley looks a little strange. too. Yeah, and just the way they move is like sometimes they look like they're made of jello. Yeah, <laughs> like they're just a little. I it's weird to say like the animation is too fluid. Did cause... they do World's Finest? Were they uh, in that second episode that I hated? No, that was one of the the bad studios. Right. TMS did a lot of the the great episodes of the original Batman okay. animated right. series. I was ready to throw them under the bus. No, if that was yeah, the case. I think I think that's the, I forget who that that Sunrise maybe Japanese anime. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, but yeah, the animation itself, which is funny because we talk about that a lot. Once they shifted to the more streamlined designs with Superman and New Batman Adventures, we don't talk as much about the actual animation because it's generally on point, right? With the exception of something like World's Finest, which was really, really off model. Yes. Um, but if you want to hear our complaint? My complaint. <laughs> check back on that episode in the archives. Yeah. So, but that, that so that kind of stuck out to me is that oh, the actual animation looks a little wonky. Now, that's not to say that the whole thing is bad. I think the final fight between uh, Batman and the Joker is incredible. It's really good, uh, especially some of the close-ups of the Joker's face when he electrocutes him in the in. In the last scene, where Terry has the joy buzzer on his finger and smashes it into the back of Tim's neck to fry the chip and end the Joker's, yeah. uh, you know, controlling controlling Tim's body, the up close visual of the Joker's face with his eyes sort of bugging out and the you know the electricity coursing through his veins, yeah, so good. You start to see his face shift a little bit mm-hmm. between Tim and the Joker. Yeah, there's a, the great shot of when, just before that happens, when he, when Joker begins strangling Terry, uh, and he's just laughing, so happy, he's so happy, and he's laughing, and then he gets in his face, and like a little piece of hair falls down in okay. his face, and it's really well done, as he's just getting real, like his face is so close to the camera, it's, it's really, uh, it manages to be really like claustrophobic almost, the, in that fight scene, I, I think, and... Um, yeah, and I, I thought the scene in the Batcave where where, Joker, where Bruce has been exposed to the Joker yep. toxin was really was well done to too. Say that. Yep, um, it's horrifying. Also, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's ter- it's terrible. I mean, from the scene where you know, Terry comes up the the road of the manor, you see him walk in. You see Ace has been injured, and then he runs down to the Batcave, and you see it vandalized. And it reminded me; it's actually a good parallel to the scene in Rebirth where Terry comes back to his. Apartment yeah. to find his dad killed. Oh my goodness! With the I didn't even think of that. Spray yes. painted all over the inside of the apartment. Wow! Uh, really, you're good. just blowing my mind, uh, man. I, hey, I, I don't know if it was an intentional parallel or, but yeah, certainly it's the happiest accident of all time. Yeah, it's not, I mean that's, that's awesome. Really, really neat parallel between Rebirth and, and this episode of him coming back to his actual father. Yeah, even though he doesn't know it yet, his pseudo father. <laughs> you know, his father figure at this point. Yes coming in and seeing him in a very similar situation and yeah. possibly dead. You know, you yeah, and yeah, and the visuals of that are, are just so... Like I said, everything that's supposed... It just makes you feel so creepy. Yeah. Like, we already talked about that a little bit in plot, but the the, the videos of, of the Joker torturing Robin and the visuals of, of, of Jokerized Robin in his little shorts Ugh. laughing and then his laughter turns to crying and... And Barbara's there comforting him at the end. It's it's real, uh, it's real terrifying. Yeah, um, so they did a great job with it. St- I think there were a couple misses, like we said. Character model is is probably the biggest one. Uh, so I ended up giving animation an eight out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I also uh, gave animation an eight out of ten. All right, we're two for two here. We're on the road to having the same <laughs> identical score, which has never Fingers happened before. Crossed. We've never uh, never had the same exact score before, and we don't discuss our scores before, Correct. as we always say. So let's move on to music, Liam. Let's talk about that. Music, it's very, it's similar yet different than the series' typical music. There's mm-hmm. a little more orchestral stuff in there. Yeah. There's more of your classic Batman instruments as opposed to the straight-up rock, heavy rock, electronic yeah. rock that we're used to, but there's enough of the Batman Beyond, I hate to call it the classic Batman Beyond, because Bat- it feels like Batman Beyond is the new and it's, it's a classic, but then realizing yeah. that this movie is almost 20 years old yeah, is no kidding. scary to think about, but yeah, th- 
the classic Batman Beyond soundtrack that we're used to, the heavy rock, the drums, the electronic sounding, the heavy solo guitar, uh, guitar solos, that's very present in here, mixed with some good orchestral stuff that we're used Mm -hmm. to in in the classic Batman presentation. It is excellent. And it's pretty flawless, too, because, I mean, when you go into the flashback, it's very much just the traditional... Like what you would have heard from a you know from a, any any Batman or any Batman episode from you know from that from that era, so being able to sort of so flawlessly and I think all three of the the main uh, composers worked on this. I think it was Christopher Carter, Lolita Manis, and uh, Michael McQuiston all worked on this. Um, but yeah, they did a, a really tremendous job, especially as you said, like putting the flow going between sort of marrying those two styles which could sound really weird and kind of clash but it never does and it flows so well and it knows when to hold back and and when when the dialogue needs to uh, really really be the center uh, focus and then when it when it's rocking up like when Terry's being chased by the the sky beam for mm-hmm. you know, it's it's real frantic and and over and uh, you know fast paced and you get more of the rock then and it's just it's really well done. Um, the two best the two best scenes to me as far as music placement, the scene where Terry finally gets away, he decides he's going to the Jolly Jack candy shop or whatever, and he's in the Batmobile and he shows up and Chucko shoots the bazooka at him, hits the Batmobile and the Batmobile's flying towards it. But you hear you like the music really swells at that point. It's really good. It's the heavy rock, it's the Batman Beyond theme. But it's played in a little bit uh, of a slower way yeah. than the normal, or yeah, or maybe maybe one of the notes is changed to a minor key or something mm-hmm. like that, or a flat note. It's done really, really well. And then of course the final scene where it's just Batman standing on a roof. Terry yeah. Terry puts his mask on and flies off. It's done done really, really well. Yeah. Like yeah, just puts a bow on this episode. It's just like the end of any Batman episode. Like. This makes it feel familiar. Yeah, I, I love the music in this. It's I think it set the tone very well and did a great job. The only thing missing, I would say, is was the classic Joker theme. They could yes. have used it, but it's a darker, it's a darker movie. Yeah, so you would have had and, to play it like real, like minor key and yep. slow or something. So I I don't fault them for that because it was well, the tone is darker than the goofy fun Joker from Batman Animated Series. So, yeah. Uh, I gave music a 9 out of 10. What about you? I also gave music a 9 out of 10. My goodness. Oh my goodness. We are one away here from history. This could be bingo. This could be This could be huge. Yes. Alright. <laughs> yeah. The only other music thing I want to mention, I really like the theme that plays when we first see Robin. It's a really cool little scene. They just show him swinging, and then he lands on a, on the roof and sort of stands in a, in a hero pose, and he's got that hashtag cape movement going. And, there you go. And the and the music plays. It's, it's a really nice. Again, we talk about that often, but when the when the visuals and the music kind of come together for a a really nice moment, I, I like that as the the reintroduction of Robin, who we hadn't seen in a long time at this point. We haven't had a chance to talk about hashtag Kate movie in so long. It's been a long time. It's a man. forgotten. We've been, we've been we've been we've been watching Batman Beyond for a while now. It's it's There's no a, capes in Batman Beyond. A forgotten gimmick almost at this point. Yeah. The loss lost to time, but uh, Liam's Kate movement corner makes it <laughs> makes a triumphant return here in episode 70 of the DCAU review. All right. The anniversary special. I had to bring it back. There you go. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, if you will, and it is, of course, our voice acting. We have a rundown of the who's who. Of course, we have a lot of familiar faces returning, reprising roles that we've probably heard before, Liam. So uh, let's talk about our special guest first, and then we'll go into our regulars. Yeah, so we have a... Uh... A whole bunch of people playing, obviously the Jokers, and it's it's a mostly outside of our our main couple. It's it's mostly a, a lot of new new car- uh, new voice actors. Um, Dean Stockwell uh, plays the older Tim Drake. He uh, famously, and apparently this is one of the reasons he was cast in the role, was when he was himself a young man, uh, was in a movie called uh, The Boy with the Green Hair. Okay, which is. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's just a wacky thing that I guess they thought. I guess someone remembered that movie and thought, "Hey, what if we cast the kid, the guy from that to be to be old Tim Drake?" But uh, it's an Easter egg that only the people that, that would have looked up who was playing Tim Drake before right. this. They must say it in like a commentary because there's no way anyone put that together. Bizarre. Like Bruce Bruce Tim or somebody had to have said that in a commentary somewhere. But, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I I don't think Dean Stockwell is perfect. I think he's good in the last scene when he sh- when he's uh, like kind of having his mental breakdown right yes. before he turns back into he's kind of the Joker. Otherwise, yeah, he's and I don't know if that was just you're you're playing him as just like this kind of old bitter this bitter old man who hates Bruce because of what of everything, but it's, yeah, he's pretty lackluster. I guess they weren't trying to telegraph that he was the Joker in a way, because if he comes out and he's over the top and real animated, then maybe... Yeah. That's a... That's a, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think he was bad, I just don't think he was... He wasn't great either. Um, this is the first thing we've watched. I think we mentioned it just a few weeks ago when we reviewed Touch of Curare, but this is Angie Harmon's first episode, or thing, this isn't technically an episode, but... Her first appearance as uh, as Barbara Gordon, there was some sort of scheduling conflict, I think they said at the time, with, with Stalker Channing, where she couldn't do it. So Angie Hardman uh, voiced her here, and then I think voiced Barbara in whatever subsequent episode she appeared in uh, after this was produced uh, in in the main series. So She's fine. Yeah, yeah, she, I mean, she has a... It's not jarring, it's not a jarring difference. No, no, they cast, they did a pretty good sound-alike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she's all right. She has a good job in in the narration, which is really all. She's that's basically Barbara's role in this movie is just do a lot of exposition. She does a, a fine job there. And then yeah, other other than that, there's a couple of, couple of the Joker gang we sh- we should mention. Couple uh, familiar names. Yes, one being uh, uh, Sabrina herself, yes. Melissa Joan Hart playing uh, the Dee Dees. Clarissa explains it all. Oh yeah, but. Uh, I think she's she's really good. I yeah, think she's good. All the, all this Joker gang is really fun and memorable, and they get brought back later on in Justice League Unlimited episode. Yeah, um, which is cool to see because they're the designs are all cool as we mentioned, and and had a lot of uh, memorable voice acting. Uh, yep, behind it as well, and then of course playing Ghoul, yes. doing his best. Christopher Walken, yes, was one Michael Rosenbaum, who you might know as the Flash, or Lex Luthor. Or Deadshot. Or Deadshot, or Terminal, or probably several other additional voices. Doesn't he play Golden Face, or one of the, uh... Uh, Dr. Polaris. He plays Dr. Polaris, that's right. Uh, so ton, tons of other voices in, in, in the, uh, DC universe. I just want to mention, I love that he does Walken, because as a giant Smallville nerd that I am... Uh, he and Tom Welling, who played Clark Kent, all, all, often talked about how they would crack each other up on the set because they would just start delivering their lines in Christopher Walken voice. <laughs> like when it was like a long day and they were like, this is like our 15th take of the same scene, they would just start delivering their lines as uh, as Christopher Walken, which I always thought was so That's funny. And I love that he got to do his, uh, his Christopher Walken impression for an entire movie here. It's pretty dope. That's really good. But uh, yeah, I love, love seeing Rosenbaum there and then... Yeah, that's that's mostly it for our for our guest characters. Other than the villain of the piece, of course, uh, another young. We mentioned him before as he pulled double duty for this. Yes, fresh young up and comer, Mark Hamill. I think this kid could go places. He might. His performance as the Joker here might might be iconic <laughs> enough to gain to gain him a recasting yeah, at some point. Maybe one day. But uh, he's awesome. He's his laughs. <sighs> oh my gosh! We talked about that in one of our. I think in Make Him Laugh or one of the yeah. original Joker episodes that we talked about. Last laugh probably about how each time he delivers a laugh, it's different. Yeah, and this is no exception. There's a couple in here that really stand out to me. Is like when I think of the Mark Hamill Joker laugh. These are the ones I hear in my the head. The one where he chokes him. Yes. Is, he's, it's so And we're going to play the... I'm going to hopefully find the clip and play it here. Yeah. But that laugh is... Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it's so good and it's so full of glee. He's so happy to be choking out this pretender uh, Batman, as he calls him. And um, the, the There's also one where he when, he... when he's running away from Batman on the motorized, like, gurney... Yes. There's a good, like, classic, normal joke, uh, you know... Batman the Animated Series Joker laugh in there and yeah there's there's four or five great ones in 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 uh in this movie and 
it's he's so great from the first scene that you mentioned where he's in the shadow and he kills Bonk with the the bang gun um, to the flashback stuff to the final fight with Terry. I really loved him and Will Friedle's back and forth in in that final fight scene. I think it's really really well done. I love the idea that Terry is the one that got under the Joker's skin. Yeah, because it just worked. It worked so well for the story too. Is from the fighting dirty to the to the to the talking trash. Yes, the, and uh, again establishing that Terry is very much his own character and doesn't have to necessarily play by Bruce's rules. Yep. And uh, you know, he mentioned something like, "Oh, the the real Batman never talked to you much, did he?" And, and that's just drive. It's just driving the Joker more and more furious as as the scene goes on to where it culminates in him choke the Joker choking Terry and having just a grand old time. Yeah, um, it was re- it's really really good. Yeah, this is I think it's it's tough to nail down like but if you did a top 5 Mark Hamill as the Joker performances list, I think this has to be on there. This is good. I'm not saying it has to be one on your list, but I think this has to be in the conversation for top 5 at least. It's yeah. It's it's he has to showcase a wide range of that Joker voice and it's more sinister we talked about because it's a darker joker in this movie yeah so it's yeah it just adds a layer to his performance in it and then of course we have our batman yes of course we have a kevin conroy who both gets to play old bruce wayne and uh batman in the flashback yep it's cool to hear him switch between the the gravelly old man voice and his normal batman voice um of course, we also had Tara Strong's Batgirl making an appearance. Matthew Valencia as Robin, who uh, I think this was his last time playing Robin because I think they recast him for uh, Mystery of the Batwoman and they definitely did. Uh, some of the Static episodes as well. So uh, it's cool, cool to see that original new Batman Adventures cast back, and uh, obviously Kevin Conroy's excellent in this. This mostly because of the scenes with him and Terry. Arlene Sorkin also uh, came oh, as, Harley, can't. as Harley Quinn. Every time and I hear it, Harley Quinn, it just makes me mad because no one else will ever do it as good as no, her it's... because the character was created for her. But, uh, yeah, it was great to hear her back as well. And then, yeah, Will Friedle is just absolutely phenomenal in this piece, um, as is as is Kevin Conroy. As you've already mentioned, the, the scenes they have together, where first scene where Bruce asks him to give back the bat suit... And uh, you know, tells him that he's he's done his time, basically that he's you know he's brought his father's killers to justice, and he's honored the legacy of Batman, and but he wants him to give the suit back. And then the very final scene of the movie when they're in the hospital, and I think he says one of the one of the quintessential great lines of any Batman Beyond thing, which is that it's not Batman who made you worthwhile; it's the other way around. Which is cool because it's a good it's a good bookend to what we talked about in last week's episode where he yeah. talks about the suit not making the man. Yes. It's not it's not the suit that makes Batman, it's not the title that makes Batman. Right. It's what he does. Right. It's the spirit of who Batman is. Yeah, they they kinda get into that a little bit in some of like the Christian Bale movies and stuff like that, about that idea of Batman being a symbol, but that anyone could take up that mantle as long as they are pure of heart and want to do good and want to protect the innocent and fight for justice. Yep. And Terry is, you know, time and time again proven himself to be that man. And it's it's it was cool to see Bruce kind of in in a more official capacity because they even have a couple lines of dialogue with Tim and Barbara right before that where they're talking about, well, you know, some people don't really ever say what's really on their heart or what they're really feeling. And so you're kind of expecting, oh, well, Bruce is never going to really give Terry the the thumbs up and the endorsement that he deserves, but then he finally does and and is able to uh, tell Terry just just how good Terry is, and I think that's such a great way to end this movie. I agree. I agree completely. It's a it's a great little bow on it. So I think based on the great performances that we have, um, I got to give this a perfect score, and I'd be shocked if you didn't also give it a perfect score. So I'm going to give this a ten out of ten. Yeah, I'm also giving it a 10 out of 10. Woo! So that's bingo, everybody. That's right. We have the exact, for the first time in seven, all 70 episodes, not only do we have the exact same score, we've done that before, we've had yes. the same score before, but we've never scored it exactly the same. But, wait, I hear that is the special 
Joker edition of the bonus point, Liam. That must mean you have a bonus point. Yeah, we haven't had a, we haven't had a bonus point in a dog's age. I know. I haven't had to I haven't had to edit a sound effect <laughs> in a long I'm time. So sorry, a lot of editing for you on this. A lot episode. of editing in this episode. Exactly. It's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alright, let's hear about your uh, your bonus point. Yeah, man. I wanted to give it a special plus one for... Um, so the, the whole thing with Joker and Robin in this episode is obviously reminiscent of the the classic Death in the Family storyline. Of course, from, uh, from Jason the, Todd death. Yes. And with Tim having, uh, you know, this version of Tim Drake basically being Jason Todd mm-hmm. with a different name with the, you know, being the street kid who's kind of rough around the edges and maybe jumps in half-cocked and does, uh, doesn't always think before he acts. And that's covered in Sins of the Father, I believe, is yes. the episode of the new Batman Adventures, which we'll cover down the line. Yes. Um, but so that, so being that he had all those Jason Todd-like qualities, every and because we had never heard about Tim Drake in, this, in Batman Beyond up to this point, I think, and I know the creators have talked about this, when the movie was coming out, I think the feeling was, they're gonna kill Robin. And instead, they made it so much worse. Yeah, it's to me, it's so much worse. The idea that not would not he didn't just kill him, which would have been, of course, terrible and horrible to, you know, to kill a teenager like that would be awful. But he took this, you know, Robin, this symbol of light of light in Batman's dark world, and tainted him, and turned him into a symbol of like the worst evil that there's ever been in Gotham City. A constant reminder of Batman's greatest failure, and not just. Oh, Batman goes and visits his grave every year. He he ruins the relationship that he has with him yes. based on this. He he mentally scars this child for the rest of his life. It's and then comes back 40 years later. Right. To continue to wreak havoc and continue to destroy this person's life and yeah. try and oh, nearly kill Bruce. Yeah, so I just I wanted to give a plus 1 because they as iconic and classic and and evil as the events of uh, of Death in the Family are, I feel like they really one-upped it with with this version of events and uh, the idea. Yeah, this was for all intents and purposes was the death of Robin, but uh, with the added bonus of it also being, as you mentioned, a you know relationship ruining, uh, life ruining uh, thing here. So just and a real pivotal point at this point because we know that. Barbara says that Batman forbade there to be any more Robins. We don't know if Barbara immediately stopped yeah. being Batgirl. That's not really... She sort of alludes to that happening, but doesn't necessarily say that she stopped at that point. But Yeah, but you imagine that it probably wasn't too long after that. Because they specifically talk about how Bruce didn't want to endanger any more partners after right. this. And you imagine that would mean Barbara as well, especially if they were romantically involved. So right. it's... It, yeah, it's 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 such a pivotal moment for this series and and for for everything we know about this version of Batman. Like we said, we see more and more of how he ended up the way he did in uh, in Batman Beyond uh, when when we first met him. So it's it's such a it's such a great job. And like I said, uh, taking those elements of such a classic story and just twisting them and making them worse and but making for a better story. Uh, it's just such a masterful job, and uh, again, I think I mentioned this, but I think uh, the story credits were for uh, Paul Dini, Glenn Murakami, and Bruce Tim all worked on the story for this. So just uh, hats off to those three men, and I'm sure Alan Burnett and some of the other Kurt Gaeta was yes. directed it. Yes, so yeah. I'm sure a lot of them. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the people on those teams, James Tucker, people like that, uh, that were working at, at all the different levels. And, and we talk about this all the time. One of the reasons we do we started doing this show is. When the music and the animation and the voice acting and the story all come together to tell one of these great epic stories about these heroes, that's that's what it's all about, man. That's the reason we've done 70 of these shows. That's right. And it's cool we got to cap off our 70th episode with another winner. So why don't we bring our final scores into play here, Liam? Uh, so before the bonus point... Uh, I had a, before you gave your bonus point, we had the exact same score, but my score was 37 out of 40. And with my bonus point, I have a very different 38 out of 40. Well, there you go. Um, very strong. This goes in the upper echelon. It's going to be uh, categorized yeah. in our top episodes. So I think by our score, this was better than Phantasm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think we had some critiques for Phantasm, and, and, and maybe 
maybe different thought processes with that. But I, yeah, I think it ranks a little bit higher than Phantasm. But you know, it's 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 one and one A. Yeah, as far no, as absolutely. Batman animated films are concerned, and maybe. You talk about the best Batman films of all time. Yeah, it's it's got to be. Up I there. I think this deserves to be in the conversation with Phantasm, with The Dark Knight, with the Keaton Batman, whatever whatever comes to mind when I say Batman on Batman sixty six, you know, right? Batman movie, <laughs> tremendous movie for what it is. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Correct. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this deserves to be in the conversation with uh, with live action or animation. Um, uh, it's 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 a masterpiece, and it's it's really all of these great creators and artists and storyboards and animators and uh, just at the top of their game and voice directors and, and things like that. It's just it, it it's one of those things. It's it's an era that will never be replicated, and that's why we're commemorating it here. Is that it's just you never you never quite are going to get lightning in a bottle like this ever again. I don't think. Agreed. All right, Liam. Well, thank you for listening uh, today. We appreciate it. Hard to believe we've done 70 of these episodes, Liam. Uh, but you can catch all of our old episodes, the past 69 episodes, and this episode can be found on DCAUReview.com. You can also find us on your favorite streaming service. Don't forget, if we are not on the streaming service of your choice, tweet at Liam at DCAUReview, and we will do our best to get our stream up there to make it easier for you to listen to the program. Don't forget also to share, like, and subscribe. Let uh, let people know about us. If you can, leave us a review on whatever podcast form that you listen to us. And they can also tweet you and discuss their thoughts of this classic Batman Beyond movie, nearly 20 years old now, at yeah. DCA Review on Twitter. Yeah, this has been such a special year. Obviously, it's the, it's the 80th anniversary of Batman as a character, the 20th anniversary of Batman Beyond. Um, it's such an important year for, for these characters, and it's been so much fun uh, getting to talk with uh, with all of you on Twitter at DCAU Review. Uh, definitely want to hear your thoughts on this movie. Where does this rank against uh, Phantasm or Sub-Zero or... Uh, you know, or even some of the live-action movies. Uh, I would love to hear hear you guys' thoughts on on where this ranks on your personal Batman movie list. And uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, we're always looking for suggestions on on what we should review next. And uh, like we said, next week we'll be we'll be jumping into the world of Static Shock for the first time. Super excited for that. But uh, yeah, so definitely uh, tweet me at DCAU Review. Give us your thoughts on this week's episode, uh, fan art, anything like that. Theories about uh, some of the other. Uh, threads this could connect from uh, from Beyond the Justice League and the original Batman animated series and all that. I always love talking with people about that. So whatever you got, just uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. All right. Well, that will do us for this week's episode. I am Cal and I'm Liam, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Goodbye.